0: today for today comes from Luke 2 verse4 4 through14. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was one of the house and family uh, and family line of David, to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for, for her to, do, to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son and she wrapped him tightly, in cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I, procl- I proclaim to you the good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign for you you will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to the people he favors. Hebrews 6, 18 and 19. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is strong and trustworthy
1: anchor for our souls. Good morning, if you haven't met yet, uh, my name is Johnny, Merry Christmas. It's good to be with you. And kids, we are super glad that you are with us. Uh, This is part of our tradition is as kids, we just think it's an important moment to to be together as a family. And I, I have very fond memories of a kid Uh, of just doing Christmas Eve service, and it was a formational moment for me as a kid. I can remember uh, watching my dad in a a Christmas Eve service uh, worship Jesus on his knees. And it was very formational for me because one of the things you will see is what we're doing is we are modeling for our kids how to worship. And so uh, we're just so thankful that they're here, and so we like to have some fun just to engage them, but uh, it should be good uh, as we just celebrate Jesus. So uh, the last four weeks uh, leading up to today, we've been talking about the Advent theme of hope. And so I don't know about you, I don't know what comes to mind when you think of the word hope. Uh, If you were here last week, uh, many, many of you maybe thought of, you know, as Joel shared, Star Wars, you know. There's an element of, if you're a Star Wars fan, you often think of hope, or uh, I'll use the Rogue One quote that rebellions are built on hope, right? Um, I gotta clap for that. Uh, Anyway, if you were, if maybe you're, maybe not you're not a Star Wars fan, uh, but if you were just think of the word hope, and if you, for some reason, if you Google hope, for whatever reason, one of the most common images is of a weed growing through a crack in cement. Like, this is what we think of hope. I actually have a, uh, a rather unique way that I want us to think about hope this morning. Probably one you h- haven't thought of, and uh, I'm excited to share it with you this morning. You guys ready? All right, let's show this clip.
0: Oh, what, what, what? What What, happened? what happened?
1: Hey, clap! Easy peasy. That is what I think of hope uh, a little bit. Do you guys know what happens when you put rubber bands around watermelon? You seen this before? Uh, and I got three reasons why I want us to actually think about hope in this manner. Uh, because all of those guys, right, they're waiting for something. Aren't they They're waiting for something to happen, something unexpected to happen to that watermelon. And so there's an integral part of hope that if you look at the Bible, it literally can be translated as wait or to wait for. So all of these guys are waiting for something to happen. The other reason why I like this picture is if you look at the Hebrew word uh, for hope, one of the Hebrew words is Kava. Uh, it's, this is, it can be translated, again, it can be mean to wait for, but the, the root word of this word is kav, or K, the K-A-V, and it actually means cord. Uh, what I love about the Hebrew language is a lot of the words gives us an image to what they're trying to talk about. And so I want you to imagine for a cord for a second, and what it's trying to do is when a cord gets pulled, now I'm not going to do like a workout video, but when a cord gets pulled, right, there's some tension that happens in that chord. There's some anticipation that happens because if you let go, there's a release. There's something happens. And so uh, if you're familiar with the Bible Project, they they use this as an example. It means that there's this, uh, this hope as a tension or an anticipation while you wait for something to happen that will bring about some kind of better future. So there's two reasons. It's about waiting, it's about anticipating, it's about tension. And this is what hope, this visual of what hope is all about. I have a third reason I'm going to share a little bit later, but uh, this is what we've been doing in the season of Advent, this leading up to Christmas, is, is again an, an, an opportunity or a practice to re-enter into the story of the coming of Jesus. And ultimately, like a day like today, we are, uh, we are kind of reminding ourselves what it first felt like for those who experienced Jesus' first coming, And there's a recognition that those people who first saw Jesus or heard about the news of Jesus being born, that they were pretty surprised. They were pretty uh, uh, surprised by this coming of the Savior into the world. Because on one hand, when you think about uh, this tension that they were experiencing on, on one hand, there is these promises given uh, that God gave to his people. There's these promises that one day I'm going to make all things new. There's these promises that this Messiah was going to come. Often we we read, during Christmas time, it's the passage out of Isaiah 9 that says this, the the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. Then Isaiah would go on to sum up that when this light comes, there's gonna be this promise of increased joy. There's gonna be rejoicing as the harvest time. Oppressive yokes being shattered bloodied garments of war being burned and done away with and at verse 6 it says for a child will be born for us a son will be given to us and the government will be on his shoulders he will be named wonderful counselor mighty god eternal father prince of peace the dominion will be vast its prosperity will never end he will reign on the throne of david and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. And the zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. So there's these promises of God on one hand, but there's just this reality of the fallen world on the other hand, right, being pulled on those promises. And for the people of Israel, they're in captivity, they're being ruled and oppressed by the Roman government. The presence of God, they have not heard from a prophet in over 400 years there's a tension that they must have felt. But here as, as uh, um, Ty read for us, and Luke 2 that while they were there talking about Joseph and Mary, the time came for her to give birth. So I want us to think right before this moment, I want you to think about all the tensions that are being at play. So let's start with Mary, all right? Uh, I have never had the opportunity to be pregnant, okay? Um, but what from my experience is there's a lot of tension and especially in the woman's body. You know, at nine months, you kind of waddle and not walk, right? There, there's this tension that Mary is experiencing, some discomfort, some, some longing for this to, to come to fruition. I think of the tension that Joseph must have felt. Uh, this may be, I don't know if this is safe for me to assume, but uh, sometimes I picture myself in Joseph's shoes, and he has to travel with a nine-month pregnant woman and all that tension, and, you know, and I just, I kind of imagine Mary being like, you know, Joseph, if you just would have called ahead, you know, we could have had a hotel, you know. If you didn't get lost back there and if you would have asked for directions, we may have to not go into a barn, you know. And uh, I don't know, I just think of those things, maybe I'm weird. But I just think of Joseph having that tension of, of trying to provide for his wife and trying to find a place so that she can you know give birth to this messiah this long-awaited uh you, you know messiah that was going to come and and yet he has to go uh into some sort of a barn uh fixture and 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 await like i guess we'll put him in a manger i guess that's what we have i think of the tension of the magi right the, the, often we think of the the wise men who who are traveling thousands of miles based on some prophetic quotes and some uh, astrology of seeing the star, and there's a tension there. I think of the Simeon, who's a character uh, that we read in Luke. He was this devout guy who's hanging around the temple, and the Holy Spirit tells him, hey, uh, you're not going to see death until you see the Lord's Messiah. There's, there's a tension there. And all of it, we see the whole world, the entire world, both, both the Jews and the Gentiles, waiting this tension and anticipation. And then it happens right? The time came to her to give birth. And it says that she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger. And, uh, you know, I've had the opportunity to see three, my three kids born. And uh, I, I would imagine right before Mary wraps Jesus in tightly clothes that she has a moment where she lays Jesus on her, on her chest and what i've experienced is there is not a joy like that when, when you when a mom going through all that tension gets to put her baby on her chest there's a joy that i'm sure mary that this tension led to joy i think even the shepherds in the in the in the fields there's this proclamation from the angels that say i proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people today in the city of david a savior was born for you who is the messiah this is the Lord. I think of the Magi when they, they get close to Bethlehem and they see the star up close, and they, they say, they were filled with joy. And lastly, Simeon, when he, when he embraces Jesus, he says, "Now, Lord, you can dismiss your servant, for my eyes have seen your salvation and the present, for the presence of all people." See, this is this thing about hope is this not, it's just not a tension, but it's a tension that leads to joy. And all these, these moments that, that, that people were feeling this tension, both in a physical manner, and, a, and this idea, this tension, this anticipation, it gets released, and then Jesus is born. And so you get this image that I want us to watch uh, at the end here, so let's go show that video.
0: <laughs> all right,
1: oh. oh! So you're never going to think of hope the same way, are you? Right. But what I love about this picture is uh, it reminds me of a of a phrase that, if you're familiar with J.R. Tolkien, the writer of The Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, he uh, he coined the phrase a U catastrophe. Uh, the word catastrophe, if you if you know what the word catastrophe means, it's this sudden unfortunate thing of events that brings about some kind of disaster. But but J.R. Tolkien uh, J.R. Tolkien lo- loved the word U catastrophe, which was it's the sudden happy turn in a story which pierces you with a joy that brings tears. And that's what Christmas is all about, isn't it? Today is, is a feasting day, a celebration about the light coming into the world, the tension. <laughs> here's, here's the good news of Jesus, is that Jesus, the story of Jesus, the reason this is good news is, is because God was faithful in his coming. That God was faithful in his coming. So in college, I went to uh, the Ohio State University. Isn't that a little annoying? It is a little annoying, I know. But I, uh, I, while I was there, I took a world religions class. And so um, it was kind of neat, you know, uh, growing up in somewhere, you know, in Lancaster that I didn't interact with a lot of different people that didn't have the same beliefs as me, and so it was really interesting to hear about all these different religions and how they viewed certain things, and so... You know, I learned all, they just would go through all these different religions. At the end of the class, I don't know if this was planned or how it worked, but it was almost, though, as like this, a little bit of uh, uh, some kind of propaganda for like universalism in a sense that, see, like we've studied all these different religions and they're kind of all the same. Don't you kind of see a little bit that they have all these similarities and different things? And they used a couple different images. If, you, if you're familiar with this, some would say it's, it's like blind guys uh, touching an elephant at different parts. Has anybody ever heard that before? I, I don't know who's got the backside of the elephant, uh, what religious uh, aspect has that. But it's this idea, we don't have this full picture, and so we only get a piece. And that's how all religions are. Or another image they used was, was like, it's like a mountain. And all these different religions are, they're all kind of just climbing the same mountain. They just have different faces of the mountain. Has anybody ever heard that familiar uh, phrase before? But I remember uh, shortly after that, and it's kind of compelling, it's like, okay, I can maybe see it, but have you read this story? Do you really understand the story of Jesus and how it is distinctly different from anything else? I think when we see that, we often can think of it's some kind of ascent of some kind of arrival, that we, we arrive to God. But, but that's not the Jesus story, is it? The Jesus story is that we have a God that comes to us, that, that a God who, who, as Philippians 2 said, he puts on this human straitjacket, he becomes one of us, and he comes to us. He comes to the undeserving, the good, the bad, the old, the young, it doesn't matter, but this is what the good news is. Of Advent. The good news of Jesus is not that, that we're going to arrive somewhere to Jesus. The good news of Advent, the good news of Christmas, is that we have a God who is faithful in coming to us. There's not a religion like that. There's not a religion on the earth that is like, like, like that. God was faithful in coming to us. There's these promises. That, well, one of the promises, I'm going to read it, is out of Ezekiel 37. God had this promise that, uh, that one day, my dwelling place will be with them. I will be their God and they will be my people. That word dwelling, it means uh, to tabernacle, to set up a tent. And what we see here is, is Jesus coming is that fulfillment of that prophecy. In John 1 it says, the word, talking about Jesus, became flesh and dwelt or tabernacled or set up his tent among us. God was faithful in his coming. But as you are probably aware, the mission of Jesus did not stop on that Christmas morning, did it? He, 30-some years later, would, would start his ministry, sit from the, the, from the Father. He'd preach that this kingdom of God was at hand, and then he would demonstrate uh, that to the people that they could experience the presence of God breaking into their life, and he would set people free. He would heal the sick. He'd proclaim freedom for the captives. And after Jesus' death, death and resurrection, Jesus promised another coming, a helper, a helper, a counselor, someone who would always be there. And again, the disciples waited. They, they had hope. There was a tension. And on Pentecost, as the church celebrates, it was the Spirit was poured out for all believers. And now we have this history of 2,000 years of those who have trusted in Jesus. They have experienced the coming of God into their lives through the Holy Spirit. One of the things I love about Christmas Eve and Christmas just, I don't know about you, it's just a time where I I reflect on all the different churches around the world, not just in our city, but in our state, our country, all around the world, they celebrate this Jesus coming into the world. And it's like, there's this thing, I don't know, maybe it's just transcendent to me, is, is I get this picture of, man, God has been faithful in his coming. So not only was God was faithful, but God is still faithful in his coming. That, that many of us have experienced when we have given our life to Jesus, when we invited him into our life, we have experienced and God has been faithful in his coming. That Jesus promised that if we choose to follow him, rivers of living water will dwell within us. That the, the spirit would be in us and among us. God is faithful in his coming. But I'm sure many of us, if we... Uh, you know, took inventory that many of us are still experiencing some kind of hope in the form of a tension, a waiting. Maybe it's a financial tension. Maybe it's a health tension. Maybe it's a, just a lack of purpose or a lack of hope, a lack of meaning in our life, and we just feel the tension of our life. And for that, I want us to get a, another picture of hope. It was a picture that, that the uh, early followers would have had to, that they would hold on to this picture of hope no matter what they were facing and all the difficulties, the persecution they would experience. And for that, Julia read out of Hebrews 6. I'm gonna read it again just for, uh, to remind us of what this picture is. It says, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is strong, and trustworthy anchor for our souls. See, the early believers, the early followers of Jesus was saw, was saw hope as an anchor, something secure and trustworthy, something that was unmovable. And I, I'm gonna show a couple pictures of an anchor. Um, most anchors at this time were just like really big stones. But what they have found is around the same time that this was written uh, in the first century that the Romans began using a new technology Uh, with their anchors that actually had arms and so uh, you can see there there's some different types there that they would use begin to use metal as a way to have these arms to secure the anchor into the ground to make it more secure and what I think is about interesting is is that this is the this is the word this is the image it's the only time an anchor is used in the scriptures to define a hope And I like to think of it, if you see there, there's three arms. And uh, what I want to say is uh, just, I think it might be silly, but I think it's fine. There's three arms to an anchor. and, And so we see that God was faithful. That's one of the arms. The second arm is God is faithful in his coming. But the third arm is God will be faithful in his coming. Do you guys get the picture that these three arms of this coming of of God into us, it's not here, it's not what we call the already not yet, it's not here fully, but what we believe that that God was faithful, God is faithful, and God will be faithful ultimately in his coming. And that's why the the Greeks use the word elpis as to describe hope. Elpis means to anticipate or welcome, but it, it means a certain hope a confident hope, a trustworthy hope, a hope that is secure and steady, and that's the kind of hope we, are, we celebrate in the coming of Christ into our lives. Because of this, we can possess an anchor-type hope to navigate all, the, all that life throws at us. I love this quote from N.T. Wright. He says this, Christian hope isn't optimism. It isn't a vague sense that things will probably turn out all right. Christian faith is trusting." And going on trusting through thick and thin and the God who made unbreakable promises and will certainly keep them. Christian hope is looking ahead to the time when, according to those promises, God will make the world over anew, completing the work he began in Jesus. And it's Jesus on whom the whole thing rests. The point of it all is that the anchor itself is secure and solid. We have a secure hope, a certain hope. It's because he's been faithful in his coming, and he's faithful in his second coming. But there is a responsibility that is laid before us. It literally says, this hope is laid before us. It's set before us, and we have the responsibility to seize or to grasp it. The question I have for us this morning is, what kind of hope are you seizing? What kind of hope are you holding on to? What kind of hope do you have are you putting your trust and your faith in as you navigate the different tensions of life? Is it secure? Does it feel a little shaky? See, with hope, you hope in and of itself, it needs something that you are trusting in in order to bring that fulfillment. And so like this cord, uh, often, right, you need, uh, a boat needs to have a cord that it's tied around the edge of the rope that then ties to your boat and so the question is what are you tying the boat of your life to? Is it a secure? Is it, are you confident in that? And so we're, what we are going to celebrate this morning is this idea that many of us have made that decision to, to trust Jesus in, with our life to say Jesus you are my secure hope but I would imagine some folks here this morning uh, have maybe never made that decision to follow Jesus. That as you begin thinking about what you are putting your faith and your trust in, maybe it's, maybe it's this, this bu- your ability to make the kingdom uh, on your own through whatever financial means or whatever. You're putting your faith and trust that I can build the kind of life that I want to. I would, I would I question the security of that hope. That the, the scriptures are clear that one day all these things will pass away, yet whatever is eternal will, will be only what's left. So what what are you laying hold of what are you seizing what are you tying your life to